Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. All right, guys, before we get going here, I have a first I have a confession to make uh, to everyone. Uh, I have been telling you guys about the Truvis golf balls from Callaway, the Truvis Chrome Softs, and I had actually never tried them before Friday. Uh, for some reason, so I had these uh, Stars and Stripes American Flag Truvis golf balls lying all over the house, and I just needed to take out my anger on something. So I went to go beat them around at Temecuana the other day and just hoping to lose all of them. I wanted them out of my sight. And like before I even got to the golf course, I actually kind of fell in love with Truvis. I might play exclusively Truvis now. I don't know. I've kind of thought it would just be weird to not look down at a white golf ball. Uh, I'm not going like full colored golf balls like Bubba yet or anything like that. But the Cal- the, Trov- the Truvis Chrome Softs, I love how they roll on the green. For some reason, it just helps me visualize a line on the greens. And they're, they're, they're great to look at when you're hitting iron shots. And I, I don't know what it is, but I actually love the Truvis. It's got everything you love about the performance of the Chrome Soft. It includes the graphene-infused outer core, allowing Callaway to engineer an incredible feeling ball, low spin off the tee, and increased shot-stopping spin around the green. And I love on the chip shots, you can actually see the golf ball spinning as it lands. So uh, they're available in limited quantities, available for purchase. They got Euro balls, too. Uh, those are the ones that Tron plays, and uh, they're they're for sale online. Visit CallawayGolf.com for more info. Pick up yours. Now let's get to our final Ryder Cup wrap-up with Job. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up podcast. Uh, this is going to be – this is it. We're wrapping up the Ryder Cup after this one. No more. Uh, Mercifully. We got a lot of positive feedback from having Job on from uh, just doing some Ryder Cup previews and stuff. We kind of rushed out the Ryder Cup recap podcast. It was uh, immediate reaction. It was just right after a live show. We needed a chance to fully decompress from what happened last week in France. Needed a week away from it, away from the phone for a little while to gather my thoughts. And Let kind it marinate. Of, yeah, calm down a little bit. But, Job, my first question for you, why, why did the U.S. lose the 2018 Ryder Cup badly at that? I mean, let me, let me clarify that. Why did we get stomped? I just think 12 individuals does not a team make. I, I think that we had 12 individually very good golfers that, for whatever reason, we just haven't figured out the the team gelling aspect yet we still haven't and maybe the guys just genuinely don't like each other as much as the europeans like each other and that might have something to do with it um but it's just not it's not a team it's not a cohesive unit and you can't force it apparently yeah i i just i guess i kind of struggle with the idea of playing as a team i just don't know what that means like four ball is four ball. like you play your own ball and like yeah you have a teammate that is also playing their own ball next to you but foursomes i get that there's kind of like a team weaving in and out element but it's still about just playing good golf like you can't i don't know maybe it's kind of an environment thing that helps promote good play that's the that's where i kind of draw the line on what the team aspect of it is uh, but there is obviously something to it because i i think and people have said that I've called this the greatest U.S. team ever. I don't think I said that. I might have to check the tape on that. I believe what I said was the greatest collection of talent that they that we've ever had. And I stand by that. I think that that's right. You know, going kind of what you said about the 
the you know even though golf is still an individual sport even when you're playing as a team there's something about picking up your teammate there's something about you know rooting your teammate on knowing the right thing to say having the personalities that make you feel comfortable on the golf course i mean you know it's it's impossible to think that there's not some sort of intangible something that we're just missing and it, it becomes obvious every time there's you know a, a beat down like this especially on european soil where the the press conference afterwards is us just basically trashing each other in the <laughs> captains i mean clearly it's, it's hilarious i loved just the, like the difference in and I don't even remember the 2012 press conference afterwards, but uh, 2014, obviously, we know what happened with Phil and kind of just slamming Tom Watson along with the whole process. 16 with the Europeans, they like kind of showed up, I think, a little bit drunk. They probably had already started drinking. And they just, like, they just like laughed their way through it. And right. they just like tipped their hat to the U.S. They, uh, It's just interesting to me that... People people are getting all over me for complaining about the course. And we're going to get to this golf course because we have a lot we actually have to cover with this. But Might stink. As far as I know, only one of the last however many losing teams has taken the stand afterwards and just shredded the golf course. So let's revisit uh, what happened after the uh, 2016 Ryder Cup at Hazeltine. So Rory, when asked about the setup, Rory said, I hope it has more rough just to say, but that's about it. And he said it with like a little smirk on his face. Like, I would love to say more about this course. Uh, And he didn't. Justin Rose did not hold back. Setup wise, this course can be as tough as you want it to be. There's no doubt about it. I think today, I think if we were all to be honest about it, I thought the setup was incredibly weak. I thought it was very much like a pro-am in terms of pin positions. They were all in the middle of the green. I don't quite understand that, to be honest with you. World-class players, 12 world-class players here, and 12 world-class players here in 30 minutes' time, and we want to showcase our skills. We want to be tested. For example, the water holes out there. All the pins were as far away from the water as possible. The pin on 17 was an absolute a joke. It's a nine iron to the middle of the green and you stiff it. So with a match on the line, you kind of feel like you have to have something. You want to have a player step up a little bit more than they have to. Even 18, if you hit a good drive down there, you got a wedge in the green. You got a wedge to the middle of the green. You're within 12 feet of the pin. So I just felt coming down the stretch, it was a little soft. Well, he got his wish, 180 degrees in the opposite direction Seriously. this year. So I, I do think it's funny how we just, and then the, in 2018, the U.S. just starts throwing shit at each other. Not quite in the press conference. Reed at least waited till afterward. He didn't quite, I don't know if he didn't have the opportunity to speak at it or didn't. I, I'd heard he was asked a question. The, the question was asked uh, about breaking up Spieth and Reed, and the person who asked the question did not direct it at a person. He said, like, either either Jordan or Patrick like and that's not what you do because you just get, get you gave speed the opportunity to just jump in and take the question and not give Reed his chance to to share what he had to say Furyk ran to the failing New York Times or a, a Reed ran Reed, to, I was gonna to say. the failing New York Times shout out to Karen Krause for getting like the the story of the the Ryder Cup we had recorded the, that that our uh, wrap-up podcast before Reed had decided to just start slinging. And honestly, like uh, when it happened, I had to laugh at it and like rereading it today. It's so special. Like it is, we're, I, I, I'm sure I've purposely not listened to any other golf podcast this week. One, because I just couldn't take any more Ryder cup stuff. And two, I wanted a chance to kind of develop my own thoughts on this, but Reed fully expecting to be paired with speed. And he felt blindsided he said when Furyk decided to pair Spieth with Justin Thomas who starred with Ricky Fowler in last year's President's Cup Reed is 
a petulant individual. It's um every time that you th- that you think that he's gonna like stop like taking to the next level, he just like he is who we thought doubles he was. down. It's incredible. And he said the issue is obviously with Jordan not wanting to play with me. I don't have any issue with Jordan when it comes right down to it. I don't care if I like the person I'm paired with or if the person likes me as long as it works and it sets up the team for success. He and I know how to make each other better. We know how to get the job done. See, this is why Turncoat Tron has the right idea. We are not a fun team to root for. Let's be completely yeah. transparent about this. I'm not going to, and I, I know I said some things a week ago that I now somewhat regret, but, uh, you know, as far as you know, wishing that I was able to pull for Europe, and, and I really, uh, they are a much more fun team to root for. They're, they look like they're actually enjoying this, but. When you see the way that we played, you see how flat we came out in every session other than the first, you know, four ball session. And and then you see Reed and say stuff like this and you read the stuff about DJ and Brooks and it's like, this is not fun. Like, this is not a good team to to try to rally around. There's nothing that gives you kind of hope that they're going to be able to figure it out in the next two years, right? Not not playing in Europe. And then we're going to kind of get to what we think is going to happen in a future Ryder Cups here. But like, Reed's not done. I thought he might go back with the groups that have worked in the past. Uh, for uh, for somebody as successful in the Ryder Cup as I am, I don't think it's smart to sit me twice. He said this after not breaking 80 on his own ball. And Tiger had to apologize to him. Yeah, Tiger. Jeez. <laughs> like, it, honestly, he, he lives in this world of... That like he think thinking that these things aren't verifiable. Like it's like his own little bubble that it's almost like uh, a certain politician that we might not want to name. Like just everything's rosy and every trying to paint everything as in this is the situation here, and I'm going to convince everyone. But no, unlike half of the country buying this other politician, nobody is buying what Reed is saying at all. No, a source told the New York Post he is so full of shit, blindsided my ass. He begged to play with tiger kuchar coming in with the flamethrower <laughs> i do hope that it is kuchar somebody we'll get to some of the questions we got too somebody's asking who is the source all right don't ever ask that question just don't no one's gonna give up who the source is one and two like searching for the source means we don't get more information like this right sources that don't want to go on the record do that for a reason and like finding out that source means you don't get this kind of information in the future exactly. so anytime if if it comes from somebody you trust that says hey a source told me this there's a reason why they said a source and not insert name right here right secretly we can all kind of try to figure out who the source is but publicly like granted anonymity to speak candidly about a sensitive matter there's a reason why these people do this thing and we love palace intrigue in this country this is the stuff that we want (laughs) um reed finished it by saying every day i saw leave your egos at the door and he referring to the europeans they do that better than us i'm not sure that reed knows what the word ego. i don't think so either (laughs) I don't think it means what he thinks it means. I don't have the quotes now in front of me, but I uh, saw golf.com and had found some like Facebook. I think it was Facebook quotes from his mother-in-law that claimed that Reed shot 74 on his own ball that day. Yeah. If he picked up, every yeah, fucking... he didn't get to 18 holes. What? He might've shot 74. <laughs> he might've had an equitable stroke control. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to put into words how bad he was. And the idea that it was tiger that laid that on him, 
or that would have apologized to him. Uh, anyways, he had that source that he would have shot 83 in his own ball Saturday. He totally screwed Tiger. He has no clue how to play team golf. I saw firsthand how bad of a team player he was. 11 players understood the concept of team golf and only one didn't. Unfortunately, that one proved to be too costly for the team to overcome. That's a bit extreme. Yeah. That's a bit extreme. If you're asked, if you were to ask me like the one reason why the U.S. lost the Ryder Cup, I think it's Tiger going 0-4. Yeah, that's probably fair. Uh, I mean, and it's it, well, we'll talk. I think we should talk about Tiger yeah. just at length, probably because there's it's inexplicable how Tiger has been this bad at this event for his entire career. And I mean, I, that's what I've just been pacing around the house for the last couple of days, like trying to trying to. Understand. I noticed the padded walls in the kill house. Yes, it's, nice it's getting. It's this is not a safe place. It, it was to be. It was starting to be not be a safe place. The sharp edges around here had to all be protected. Oh I was God. banging my head up against them. It doesn't like he's like thirteen twenty one and one now or something like that in Ryder Cup I think matches. That's right and. It's and some of the losses have been just ugly too. It's it's like you know not even really competitive. It wasn't even golf, and it, and that's just like I don't know. He had two twirls off the first tee, <laughs> yeah, like, but it just he's seems like, so like, fake. Yeah, looking back at it, it's like right. you did. He his game was not there. No. Something was completely totally off. And I know we talked about this with KVV. And again, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna apologize for repeating myself because we're just gonna try to cover this pretty comprehensively here. But his interview that he gave after the round on Saturday was weird and slurred and just slow and not sharp the way he delivers words and maybe we only break down tiger's interviews in this way but it just felt off something was off about him um and it's i think even he would tell you that there was just something not right about him i think he was tired i mean i don't have any reason to suspect it was anything other than just you know sometimes after you wouldn't know about this because you don't have a real job anymore. But sometimes after a long week, I, you know, I just come home and I'm just like, I just, I just want to turn my brain off. Yeah. And I think that there was, if there had been a week in between the tour championship and the yeah. Ryder Cup, we would have seen a, a slightly more um, sharp and probably attuned Tiger than what we actually saw. I think so too. I mean, he was. Uh, it just didn't make sense though that he won at the end of this crazy, exhausting stretch and then showed up and played like this. Like that's the part that just doesn't add up. I don't know. It just, there's no real way to explain it other than it's so much of why the U S lost just comes down to golf too. Like we want to find all of these reasons and you know, this team atmosphere and whatnot, but it's like, dude, number one player in the world can't show up and go one and four tiger. Who's one of the hottest players in the world and is climbing the official world golf rankings at a ridiculous pace went 0 and 4 like Brooks Koepka went 1 and 2 Ricky went what 1 3 and 1 or it was not great what 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 he finished at and like that he yeah, he Ricky finished was, 1 and 3 Rick, Ricky was quickly the forgotten man yes. of this Ryder Cup well he, when, yeah the the other names in front of him that uh that played so poorly uh, kind of took away some of the heat off of Ricky too but right. uh I don't know it just is like I, I don't think it's easy to say like all oh, the bombers just couldn't play this course and whatnot, but like JT is like one of the biggest bombers in the world. And I know that people want to do this correlation causation. Like he went over and played the French open and he went over and came back and went four and one. Like maybe, yeah. but like 
Phil went over and saw the golf course too. He didn't play in competition, but he played it before the Open yeah, Championship. Phil went over there and saw the golf course. Decided he fucking hated it, and, yeah. and never and went back, probably dreading having to play it again. I guess. Which I don't know. I don't know if Phil really. And we can talk about Phil's recent comments he made this past week on the course setup and how he said playing he won't play tournaments that are like that. I didn't actually hear the audio of it, but I think he's meaning like if this was like a golf tournament, like a, a stroke play tournament, like I wouldn't show up and play this tournament on these in these conditions, which he shouldn't. I don't think he was calling. I think, I think he made it abundantly clear with his shenanigans at Shinnecock, how he felt about yes. you know, overwrought setups on golf courses. And but I don't think he meant like that the Ryder Cup was a waste of his time or playing this event was a waste of his time. I don't know, but I don't know how he can go over, play that golf course in in the summer, come in with the form that he was in, and be like, "Yep, like I'm I'm a good guy for this team, like I'm I'm right for this team." If and I had this blind faith in Phil, I just had this feeling that he was going to be able to flip a, flip the switch and turn it on. He's done it in the last three Ryder Cups. And I just thought with how much he's taken on himself with owning the process of forming the team and this whole transformation, I just thought he'd step up or have the wherewithal to pull himself back. And I think he did Saturday. I think he told Furyk, don't send me out Saturday. I think that's probably right. I mean, just like Sergio, he was never not going to be on this team. Um, and Sergio did the thing that Phil probably should have done, which was take a little bit of time off, actually go decompress hit some range balls try to find something sergio came over had a little warm-up in portugal and played well and phil came over and, and didn't play well at all and you know phil in his uh interview with on, on the Faraday show you know back a little while ago was like yeah i'm gonna be on this team i'm gonna be on the next one after that and i'm probably gonna be on the team after that and it's like uh, after this performance dude i don't know that we really I, I think there might be a time for a changing of the guard here shortly Yes, yes and no, because I think like if they go to Whistling Straits, where this is not the things that mattered at Le Golf National won't matter. Maybe he will be a good fit for this team. I don't know. I mean, well, it obviously depend on how he's playing and like a lot of different factors. I just this this golf course is and are, are we ready to do the golf course yet? Is it time? Or? Let's do. Yeah, well, let's. do we want to do Brooks and DJ first? Because that's the other big development that's happened. Let's do that first. We'll okay. get to the golf course. I promise we will because that needs its own like maybe separate podcast. Brooks and DJ, uh, this originally came from, I believe, Mr. Corrigan at The Guardian. Uh, it's behind a paywall, so I don't I don't know what's in the article, but it alleges that uh, DJ and Kepka had to be separated in the European team room on Sunday night of the Ryder Cup. Uh, multiple sources also revealed to the Golf Channel that the incident occurred. Tim Rosefort on Morning Drive confirmed that, th- that this did happen. Kepka says this week at, an, at a press conference in Scotland, the Dustin thing I don't get. Uh, there's no fight, no argument. He's one of my best friends. I love the kid to death. And we talked on the phone Monday and yesterday. He told me how he thought. People like to make a story and run with it. It's not the first time there's been a news story that isn't true that has gone out. As far as the camaraderie, it was fine. It was perfect. The problem is you guys tried to find a reason we lost. And the simple reason is we didn't play good. Two takes on this. Yeah. First of all, do we really believe that Dustin and Brooks had to be separated and we're all about to come to blows? I mean, Dustin can't hit anything within three feet of him anyways. <laughs> so I'm not sure that the, he was really going to have a problem uh, tried to cross hand punch kept oh my yeah there you go well switched in the middle of the of the kerfuffle when this hands when this came out like i i caught, tried to get in touch with a couple like, guys from the team room and like everyone's like what what this happened like nobody was able to confirm on the, within the team. I'm not saying it didn't happen. I mean, if, if you know, if Rose Ford has multiple sources or whatever, confirm that this did happen. And if Kepka is just straight up lying, uh, 
Uh, for for content purposes, I hope this happened. Are you kidding me? Like that's the perfect way to end this Ryder Cup. Two players are fighting each other. This is my second take, which is that Kepka is legitimately sick and tired of people in the media not asking him questions. So he had his people leak this shit out, <laughs> so that way people would be the media would be forced to come asking questions that he could answer. I by, love that too. You know, by denying them and continuing to be boring. I mean, he should have fed into it. If this is what he wanted, feed into it, dude. I love it. No, Lean I think in. I think the more like wrestling we can make the Ryder Cup, the better. Like this is this this this, <laughs> this event's supposed to be for entertainment purposes, and the only entertainment the U.S. has given us the last like dec- like quarter of a century that they've been going to Europe has been this drama that comes after we lose the Ryder Cup, which just happens every freaking time, which is amazing. I mean, it really is, and that's the thing that. I regret the most of anything I said leading up to it. I really, I, I maintain this um, this team that the U.S. put together, and I stand behind the captain's picks. Again, I've stated why I thought Phil was going to be an okay pick. That That's the one I could change if I could, but leading up into it, I said, there's no way you can't take him. It's just not realistic. I mean, it's easy to do the hindsight thing, and everyone just gets on Twitter when Saturday when they're losing by a bunch and says, we should have done this. It's easy to say that, but like, there's a process to this thing. And if you weren't saying on, you know, back in the beginning of September that Xander Shoffley should be on the team, then don't say it on that Saturday or Sunday. There's a, and you can make the case for Phil being the right pick, but being utilized completely inappropriately, yeah. which is what happened. I mean, in my opinion, why would you send him out, you know, on Saturday in the foursomes with Friday with, and foursomes? Oh, I'm sorry, on Friday yeah. and foursomes. Uh, I mean, it was just, you know, if you're going to play him, play him in four ball. Yeah, I I agree. I, I do agree. And leading up to this, you, know, you and I had talked and I had kind of debuted the take that I thought it was easier to hide a player in foursomes than it was four ball. Looking back at that, I think that was a lot more relative to the kind of golf that happened at Hazeltine. And I don't think that's necessarily the case at uh at the golf national i mean you can, there was nowhere to hide i mean if you're spraying it off the planet there like you're just you're gonna lose in like less than three hours which is pretty much what the entire u.s team did yeah i mean even on like the first tee you know you actually you know if you hit it just a little bit you overcook a draw just a little bit or pull it just a little bit and you're in the water i mean there's like no yeah. you know like you said there's nowhere to hide to and, hide yeah and i thought i and it's not just because the u.s team got absolutely trounced in foursomes i thought hazel team was a boring course for four ball. I think there just wasn't a lot of interesting elements to it. I actually thought the golf national was interesting for four ball. I thought it was fun. It was kind of like, all right, he's out of this hole. He's taking these guys on one on two or, Oh, there's only it's one on one. Now what happens? Like there was just enough madness going on that it was just, it was intriguing to kind of play best ball format. I didn't think it was very fun for foursomes. The matches weren't good. Like there was no real good matches. Uh, and even singles. I thought it just too often, way too often holes were decided on the tee box which i don't think is good golf right. still not maybe quite ready fully ready to get to the golf course yet but uh so i agree that sending phil out in foursomes was kind of crazy and we, we've heard kind of some rumblings of like people within team europe are kind of looking at the, the pairings of like like kind of laughing at what the u.s did and the, some wrong buttons were pressed and I like the idea of I think it was Shane Shane Ryan on Twitter was saying like Bjorn like lured Furick into the trap that was a good take yeah like rolled out his best players on Friday morning and then Friday afternoon had some just kind of question mark pairings and I don't know I think a lot of pairings are question marks until you try them and like 
I don't know if your team Lee, if your team loses, I think it's really easy to be like, wow, who, who would pair those two guys together? Like that doesn't work. But it's like, you don't really like who would have sent out Bubba and Webb on Saturday afternoon. And they won. And they like, won. You just right. don't know how this stuff's going to play. But out. you kind of can look at and see. I mean, I know Phil probably went to, to Jim and was like, hey, I want to play with Bryson. Like, I think yeah. foursomes, me and Bryson foursomes, good stuff. And, you know, if you're if you're Jim Furyk, like, what do you say? No. I don't think that that's going to work. I mean, maybe that's what you have to say if you really honestly believe that. But if, if you know, you have a guy like Phil who, as we've talked about at length, has kind of reshaped this process and he comes to you and says, I think this is the matchup that I really want to go out and, and try to prove uh, myself on and try to bring Bryson along. And it just didn't work. I mean, like you said, in hindsight, it's kind of easy to, to look back at it and be like, that was a bad idea. But, you know, it it's hard to, without knowing what goes into it, um, from a first-hand basis, it's hard to, to second-guess at the time. I mean, and now, uh, it, it, but I think here's where I think the U.S. has erred, and that the the pendulum has swung too far in the terms of the process, and now the players have too much control over it, and it's way too much feel-based and not data-based. I mean, it's easy to kind of, and I, I kind of gave the fifteenth club, who are like this the statistical group that basically consults essentially for European Tour on behalf of Team Europe or something along those lines, and they come up with these models and be like, this is who you should pair blah 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 with and etc as much as that worked it worked in 2018 let me also add that they also it helped the europeans in 2016 and they got absolutely trounced so i don't want to give them too much credit or just be like this is the blueprint like just do exactly what the euros do but there's got to be something too like hey yeah this these these two guys playing alternate shot together makes sense for this reason they might win they might not but here is the data points that kind of support why these two should go play together I just doubt that that's anything close to what happened on the the U.S. side. Like, I don't think anybody, like, any data would be like, oh, Bubba and Webb, those are the two that need to go together. And maybe that's the personnel. Like, they they just kind of roll the dice with, hey, these two like each other somewhat, and they should play good golf together. Or these guys talked about they wanted to play together. Let's do that. But I just don't know that there's actual enough thought or the proper thought process that goes into pairing guys for foursomes whatever they're doing in it's europe not, is not working it's not working last two rider cups 13 to 3 in favor of europe in foursomes that's just that's it's so lopsided that you gotta just think we need to whatever like you said whatever we're doing blow it up because there's got to be a better way and i almost kind of seemed to do that on saturday afternoon it was like because we had i specifically at the at the president's cup dj and kepka had played foursomes together and what we had heard that they did not think that they did not want to do that again like they just their their styles didn't mesh like you you might think that they would and they didn't get paired together for the first three sessions and then the panic session saturday afternoon they did get paired together they did not win uh but uh have they they won a match as partners in in the Ryder cup they've only played two together and and they lost both lost them both so so. i think there just was general panic because leading into it like i know like i just i'm pretty sure on kepka's side like he just like would have preferred not to play uh with dj but it also just goes to and we talked about this in the last pod but the u.s players didn't know who was going to be paired with who leading into it like all the way up till thursday which seems insane 
It does. And maybe it just was kind of like, maybe they kind of had an idea who was going to get paired, but they wanted to figure out what sessions were what. It was like, all right, you know what the format's going to be. You know, and maybe they wanted to figure out, kind of maybe take a straw poll on Thursday. Like, all right, who is really playing well? Who is seeing their lines? And who, who's, who can we roll out there? And it just didn't, it didn't make a ton of sense. And I don't know. It's, it's, I think four ball is, I, I just don't know how much credence to give to the pairings in four ball. Like is, is tiger responsible for Reed playing poorly? There might be something to that. I think, I think maybe, maybe there's you, tiger. They've never been able to find a partner for tiger, like really to play his own ball. Well, but maybe you don't play tiger in four ball. If that's the case, if tiger's this exhausted, maybe he just plays foursomes. Having said that, I don't remember. I remember hitting tiger hitting like three shots from the fairway all week yeah it was not. <laughs> well all right so i need you to kind of help me too with uh something that i had no insight on but i've never seen a twitter reaction so strong of disdain towards a broadcast like there was friday morning for the Ryder cup it was despicable it was probably it was everything that we roast all the Sunday afternoon broadcast for as far as too many commercials, the same commercials over and over again, bad timing of commercials. I mean, it was, it was like they forgot that there was a live golf event going on at three o'clock in the morning. And they were just like, well, let's show all the infomercials that we were just going to show at three o'clock in the morning on golf channel when we're usually doing, you know, a repeat of whatever. Um, it was impossible to get in the flow for the, for the commentary crew. Like you could tell that, they were having a hard time with it. Um, we didn't see, we saw a lot of opening tee shots and very few shots from like the second hole, the third hole. And then they would pick it back up again on the fourth hole with the group. And they would be kind of telling us what was going on, but it was the most unified. I think American golf fans (laughs) felt all week was watching this unfold. And we're just like, how do how do you set it up this poorly i mean it it was it was awful it it was and i i honestly pulled up the golf channel mentions just to see it i wanted to see exactly how bad it was oh my god it was i've never seen a company get lit up so badly and and people i know i know we beat to death the broadcast thing but like this is why we do it like if if they don't start feeling pressure and the, the development from Friday to Saturday, from what I understand, was, was better. way better. If they don't start feeling pressure from social media, from anything, they're going to try to get away with this. And like there's a balance to be found with your sponsors and advertising and all that stuff. Like you have to make money. Like that's how all this stuff works. We're not foregoing that. But there's ways to be creative about it, and there's ways to present your product so that people still want to watch it and not want to give you a middle finger for what you treated fans to that woke up at 3 o'clock in the morning. It pissed me off. I didn't have to watch it, and I was like... It was very upset. It was, yeah, it was a visceral reaction. I mean, for me, you know, I'm a junkie. I'm going to be up to watch it anyways. There was no way that I was not going to watch it, but... I, you know, I tweeted out a text message exchange I had with one of my good friends who is a casual golf fan, watches the majors and, you know, occasionally watches Sunday afternoon. I said, Hey dude, Ryder cup, like this is big. It's going to be awesome. And he's like, "Eh, three o'clock in the morning, but he's a new dad. So he's like, I'll probably be up anyways. He's wide awake at three o'clock in the morning, texting me and saying like, I cannot watch this broadcast. This is the word he watched was, or used was unwatchable. And for casual golf fans, (laughs) you know, the, the people who you're, quote-unquote trying to grow the game to you know it it was like you said it was a middle finger to the entire you know group of people that was up on the east coast of the united states trying to watch it it was horrible 16 golf balls are in play during this time and they couldn't keep up with these matches like how am i supposed to have faith 
and anybody to present a golf product. If this is the this would be the easiest event to do. There were no playing through commercials Ugh. until Saturday. I mean, they didn't. I don't think they did it once on Friday, even during the you know the morning broadcast, like the after six a.m. broadcast. Um, it, and it was the same ads over and over again. It was a stupid flex seal guy. I mean, it's just like don't give them any more publicity than they've already gotten. I don't want to hear it. We'll bleep that out. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it, it's. And they try, and I get the the kind of well, we were front loading commercials. If that's the case, that was not the case. Well, I was going to say that is never the case. Right. There's always an e- front loading commercials means like all right, during this portion in the beginning, we're going to air a ton more, and then just air the normal amount on the back end. But it's not like it's not like a, a stroke play event where you can air a bunch of commercials on the front end because it's in the early holes and it's not really going right. to have an impact. This is like you know when. When a team tees off and you see the first hole play out and then you don't see him again until like the fourth or fifth hole and you're like, okay, they're two down. It's like, how how did that happen? This is very important. Right. Like, we we talk about this particular event like for two straight years. Show us the damn Show golf. us the golf shot. And that was honestly, and I know, I remember how bad the rea- the reaction was pretty bad too in 2016. That first session was so bad with commercials. And I remember thinking, like I got a very last minute offer to go to the Ryder Cup. And I was like, dude, I bet. Honestly, there's going to be a shitload of commercials and it's going to be a shitty viewing experience. Like I might have to go over there just to be able to actually understand what's going on. And man, like every single time they try to tweet a highlight, it's like, oh, well, we missed this because you guys were in commercial. Oh, it's it's man. I mean, we have to keep the pressure on them. I'm serious. Like the the and and and. If it's anything like professional, like a normal golf tour, we give probably CBS and NBC too much shit and more blame needs to go to the PGA Tour because the tour dictates so much of how that is. They sell the rights for so much money that these companies are kind of hamstrung in terms of, and they need to sell so many ad spots to be able to make a profit of it, blah, blah, blah. Probably some of the same blame goes to PGA of America. This event has turned in just in this one huge, insane corporate outing and this huge behemoth of a, it's basically like a, corporation this thing and i'm i guarantee golf channel nbc has to pay so much money to broadcast this that it's like all right we need all these commercials to be able to make this justifiable there's just got to be a better way to do it. oh there does there's There's definitely definitely does because when you have people that are turning it off and saying like i don't i'm not even able to watch enough golf to understand what's going on here why am i up at three o'clock in the morning watching this yeah yeah, it's, it's tough. Are we ready to do the golf course yet? Let's do it. Okay. I, I So people are ty- probably tired of hearing me talk about the golf course and whatnot. You're kind of a, a golf course architecture mm. guy, I think you could say. But what, is you, what did you think of the Golf National and how it played for this event? It's a better stroke play course, and, and that's been my... Um, my only prior experience with has been watching the French Open, and it's a better stroke play course. It's still not a good golf course. Um, I think that from a fan perspective, like from a fan viewing perspective on the grounds, and maybe you can speak to this a little bit because you were there, it's probably a pretty awesome place to watch golf if you're on the grounds because of the stadium atmosphere. Uh, the fact that you know they dug out these big lakes and used the, the dredged earth to build up these big mounds. But it's as a match play golf course, it just wasn't all that fun to watch. The par threes were really monotonous. Um, there weren't that many half par holes. They only set up, I think, one drivable par four, and there wasn't really a whole lot of trouble around it. It was a six hole, and it was just kind of like everybody's just going to bomb. There was no risk and reward for it. 
And I just didn't think it produced the kind of drama. I mean, it's easy to say this as a, as a fan of the Americans, but I, I just didn't really think it produced great matches overall. No. It was just kind of a kind of a blah golf course. And but when you say something's not a great match play course, what what does that mean? Like I have my definition in my head, but what does that mean to you? I w- I think with a match play course, you want to see a lot of half par holes uh, because again, par doesn't matter, and it doesn't matter if if the guys are holding or having holes with you know threes uh, on a par five you know that might be okay if it was a really you know kind of like a 520 yard hole where you got to have like a second shot force carry over water and there's a heroic aspect to trying to play it um but for you know for the kind of golf course that it was and it didn't really it's hard to say that uh it didn't produce a lot of a lot of fireworks i guess you could say i mean that was really the the part that i was looking for was you know something that was just kind of uh you know fireworks and and, and excitement and it just really wasn't all that exciting to watch well if i look at i look at like something like the second hole par three and most of the days it played pretty long like five or six iron to a back left pin i think this is the one day that i think of and you step up the water all the left. It's almost it's not an island green, but like there's just the question that just kept being asked was, can you hit it right here? Like, the, can you do this? Hit the ball right here. And you got first guy could step up, hit the ball in the water, and that doesn't change your situation at all. Like you still the question still I've got to hit the ball right to this spot or else I'm in trouble. I think it's a lot more intriguing if like say that green you, know, you tuck that pin back left protect that the front the left with the water that's fine but if there's a green like a bigger green space and the first guy steps up and hits it to 35 feet to the safe part of the green the question that is being asked to the next guy is a good one it's like all right do you want to try to take that pin on to get closer to that guy or do you want to follow the safe route and go there and there just wasn't any element to that there wasn't like uh what what kind of risk should i take on to do this it's like no this is just a really hard shot that i have to step up and hit right and and we see so much of that um on this golf course course because precisely of you know the way that it's kind of designed with like i said the 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 water features water hazards and there's just so many force carries on the par threes you look at every single par three and you're like oh it's it's the same hole again and and early in the morning especially in kind of the colder weather on day two where we saw a bunch of guys hitting in the water on number two and you know we we finally got to see some golf shots on the second hole on on day two and most of them were a lot of them were going in the water or they were bailing out way right into the bunkers that were right the green and you know none of that is the excitement factor that you you kind of hope for in a match play course yeah and it's just like and what i also said is like this this whole golf course just kept testing the skill of can you hit it to right here there was not any strategy really to the golf course and i know that this is kind of where it's hard to not sound like extremely sour about it but i'm like listen European tour can do whatever they want with this golf course. Like you are the home team. The U S set it up very favorable to themselves at Hazeltine European tour. They're playing chess while the U S is playing checkers. Like they went to a golf course that benefited their style of play. And they had guys ready to play that golf course where the U S aired is they had guys show up that looked like they'd never seen the course Looked like they didn't spend three, four days practicing at this course all week. Looked like they still hadn't figured out the green speeds on Sunday. (laughs) And like, they just didn't prepare well for this golf course and they needed a different mentality to play it but it's just it a golf course that totally neutralizes distance is not good like if, yes the pga tour courses lean too far and it benefits guys to just bomb it and or what i've always said is the issue i have with pga tour setups is 
when guys can take driver to eliminate trouble and it's an easier shot with driver, right. that's not good design. But a golf course where you just also can't take driver just because it's not there's good no, design. There's literally no fair way to hit it to, you know? Rory, but the same goes, and yes, there are more guys on the U.S. side that kind of specialize in that style of play, but like Rory McIlroy went two and three and was hitting irons off par fives. Like, that's not good. Like, that's not good. Like, but it, it all goes back to my overall point of how the U.S. just had a, a incredible collection of talent. And I go back to when Mark Brody came on the podcast and he had Eduardo Molinari, Francesco's brother, obviously had said something to him like, if you were, uh, if an amateur, and I don't, don't let this, don't take this too literally. I'm not saying the Europeans are amateurs and the U.S. team is pros. But if you have a professional golfer and an amateur golfer and you want to square off against each other on a one hole battle, would the amateur golfer choose a 20 foot putt or a 200 yard par three? You would choose the putt. Like you have the further away you get from the hole, the more highly skilled player just has a better advantage. Right. When you take that advantage away from, I still believe, as crazy as this sound, as butthurt as, as the European golf fans are going to be about this, I think the U.S. still had better talent. Like right. I think all the data supports that. Now, with, with the, that doesn't mean anything if right. you don't go play this golf course. And again, the Europeans had every right to do this. I'm not knocking that. And it's just it's just like the way it is. They were smart in this setup, and it neutralized the U.S.'s top players. So as much as we want to break down like the pairings and you know they just didn't Dustin can't show up and go one and four Tiger can't go oh and four Bryson was a very easy captain's pick I don't know a a formula that you can't take Bryson right. in. I think Furyk's biggest mistake probably was not letting Bryson play his own ball like if anyone that needs to play their own ball it's probably Bryson but aside from that like you just can't have your top players go out and all post losing records aside from JT and and Spieth and Webb Simpson had a, a winning record and I, I I we were I was I had you actually were, leading up to it I'm like dude I'm riding with Webb on this in this event I was ready for that and he played great he did play well and he, and he looked interested I mean that was the other thing that I just couldn't help but notice with the U.S. team is that at certain points they just look kind of disinterested. They look flat, yeah, just not really, and you know, it had no inspiration to tr- to try to go out and play well. Yeah. But I think it can be. It's not everything has to be to the extremes, and everyone just wants to be. I'm not proposing that there should be no punishment for failure of accuracy off the tee. But what Phil said about the setup this week was actually pretty interesting. We said Ben Hogan had what, like a five degree, the, the greatest ball striker of all time had like a five degree radius of error or whatever. And like with as far as these guys hit it now, you can't have 16 yard wide fairways. Right. Like that's not golf. I'm sorry. And like to completely eliminate the idea of like a recovery shot. What's the, I remember one good recovery shot. Rory, like oh, from the water hazard well, yeah. yeah and that was i think in four ball when a shot he probably wouldn't have tried in singles or alternate shot that shot was incredible and uh, honestly like how can you play an entire event where it's like all right hitting the rough all right punch back out in the fairway and like is that fun was that yeah. exciting is that no. uh, do you want holes decided on the tee i i don't regardless of well whether... the perfect example of that was the 18th hole in singles in the rory jt match yeah. which i mean obviously rory got a really bad break with how that ball ended yeah. up in the bunker and i mean just completely plug sideways but that match was it deserved a a much better ending than what it got it did but even that shot i was like i i'm sure this wasn't the case but that's the first ball i remember landing in a fairway bunker all week like there's other ways to challenge guys off the tee than just like ankle deep rough two feet off the fairway and like and kudos to justin thomas for taking driver there and forcing rory to take driver i mean rory hit three wood 
Oh, he did. Roy dialed back to three wood. I was kind of curious as to why. I don't. I, I didn't even go back to that tee box and understand that tee shot is very. I mean, it's difficult, obviously, off the tee. But it. I don't know. There's different ways to challenge guys with accuracy, and I. The idea of like narrowing fairways near where you need to hit driver is I like that. But like, you look at that 17th fairway. That hole was a joke. It's like 480 yards and. You could clearly see where the fairway, like, is originally designed mm-hmm. to be, and where they set it up to be. Right. And I don't know what they do. I don't know if they brought it in from the French Open. Maybe they do that on the exact same bring it in, but then also mowing the rough back towards totally. the tee so it mats the ball down yeah. and the ball just sinks. So it's all it all weighs on these guys' ability to hit the fairway off the tee. Is that like no school of golf that I subscribe to? It is the most interesting shot. Should it be the tee shot? Like as much as bombing it is a benefit, it's all still about guys that hit the ball close to the hole as far as Rory hits it his biggest weakness in the last several years has been his wedge play and like right. he doesn't hit it close to the hole close enough to the hole or he doesn't hit it as, as close as he used to I should say uh, and there was just no element to that I, I don't like seeing Rory be neutralized I thought Justin Rose was even a little bit neutralized and Rom just looked completely out of sorts and I've been fearing that guy on the Ryder Cup for honestly for as soon as he came out I'm like oh that's that guy's going to be an issue for us Rom at one and two Rose went two and two Rory went two and three a guy that had never won a Ryder Cup match before. He played six Ryder Cup matches and never won one. Went five and zero. Oh. I mean, come on! <laughs> you can't tell me that that, that 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 golf course didn't play an enormous factor in deciding this the winner of this event. It did for sure. And like, as ignorant and as mad as the Europeans are going to be at me for saying this, I believe this. If those same two teams went over to Hazeltine and played the next week, I think the, uh, the U.S. would be favored, and I think the U.S. would win. Now, having said that. There's no excuse for the U.S. showing up and playing like that. And knowing that this is where the event is, you have two years to prepare for this event on this golf course. Right. They did not prepare for it. And the Europeans, again, had every single right to set it up that way. And they are playing it smart. Like They deserve all the credit in the world for that. You can take all the strategic interest out of a golf course, but that doesn't mean that there's still not a strategy for playing it. Correct. And we didn't we didn't for whatever reason come up with the winning strategy for playing the golf course and it's all and god the the comment that i got the most that just made my me want to bash my head against the wall i feel like your therapist right now in this uh, podcast this is kind of awesome because uh, i'm just like (laughs) letting you just get all the takes out and i'm Uh, sitting here kind of like yeah the the worst one i heard was europeans calling this a proper golf course guys you have all of the proper golf courses. Right. This is not like a U.S. versus Europe thing. Like we do this better. Like you guys do golf courses so much better. You have all the proper golf courses. This isn't one of them. No, like that's, this is like, this is this is trying to knock off an American style you know stadium golf course, and it came out looking like a like a cheap knockoff. Yes, it really did, and that's what people comparing it to Sawgrass was kind of like. Guys, it was Sawgrass, built the same way, but that doesn't make it the it same kind has of golf stadium course. seating. Right. Yeah, but it's not nearly the same kind of like Sawgrass is pretty good width to it, and like there's there's so many elements to how there's to play depth some of perception holes. issues with some of the bunkering and they round the fairways kind of right. to make it look tighter than it is, and there's a whole lot of visual elements. There's a lot of risk reward that goes into a lot of those holes. Like it was just not a good advertisement for the golf national. Like if you're a tourist, and obviously if you're a tourist, you're not going to France to play golf specifically, yeah. but I would look at that golf course now and be like, I have no desire to oh. ever play that golf course Way. for any reason. Like I can't, I can't hit those fairways. Like if these guys can't hit them, why would I want to go play that right. course? I mean, it, and that's kind of where 
you can make narrow fairways too as long as the rough is playable from there should be an element of like a guy guessing as to whether or not the ball is going to jump and whether or not he can get onto a green from 190 with you know eight iron or whatever they would hit from there but like there was no there was none of that intrigue and that's where it just the matches were duds it wasn't close and having said that it wasn't close at Hazeltine either and this kind of goes to my overall point that I asked KVV about was like is it good for the Ryder Cup for the home teams to set it up so drastically in their favor because uh, <laughs> going back to 1997 the home team has won every Ryder Cup except for 2004 which Halimony Tiger and Phil paired together <laughs> Chris Riley and a 50 year old captain's pick Jay Haas oh, so my. how much stock do you put in set up to that probably not a whole lot 2012 was Medina, which the U.S. led 10-6 to leading into the final round. They led 10-4 at one point, collapsed. And Love actually took a lot of heat for setting up the golf course not American enough, quote-unquote. Like, 2008, like, Zinger's cutting down tree limbs for J.B. Holmes and, like, putting pins all over the middle of the greens because the Euros were practicing to the corners and, like, it, taking it to the extreme. And, like, the U.S. wins by a bunch in that one. And so what I'm hearing you say, Solly, is that we need a neutral arbiter to come in and set up the course. Welcome, Mike Davis. <laughs> welcome to the Ryder Cup I was wondering where you're going to go with that I didn't see that one coming no but like if if like they're going to US is going to double down at Hazeltine and make it 7,800 yards probably and, Whistling Straits mean? yeah I'm sorry yeah Whistling Straits and they're going to there's going to be no rough and like the US will probably be heavily favored and probably win by a lot we haven't had a lot of good Ryder Cups lately 2010 was good I didn't think Glenn Eagles was like extreme Euro setup at all like they no. were a much better team they were they had like a, just a better team going into that and any golf course they probably would have won on I think uh, 2012 was a great two great teams I thought two really strong teams and it was really exciting 2010 was a sneaky good Ryder Cup the the weather kind of neutralized a lot of a lot of the elements of that golf course but it wasn't it was much wider I mean the rough there was very thick and it was super wet but it was just a it set up exciting play right the most neutral setups were probably 2010 and 2012 i thought and they were uncoincidentally the best rider cups yeah yeah so i think there is something to it and that if we're able to find some middle ground to make this event entertaining like the last two rider cups have not been fun i mean it was great that the, the actually they needed to set up like a dummy proof course for the u.s to just finally win one at hazel team right it had been so long <laughs> and the europeans honestly actually like seemed fine with that like all right yeah you guys you guys needed to win one we needed to give you one uh but i don't want to like go back i don't know i don't want it to like the Europeans to react again to it being overly American set up in 2020 and then do the same thing in Italy in 2022. I just don't think that's good entertainment. No. That's my take. I, I Again, I, under the current setup, I don't fault the Euros at all for how they set it up, but I don't know. I just think the problem is that the, the courses in general just are not just just not good golf courses to to go to like i just wish that there was a way in which you could find you know some more of the some more golf courses that are in like the 6800 to 7100 yard range that would just be more fun to play in match play and and we're not going to any of those anytime soon on the u.s side no and that's again it all goes back to what this event is and you need Honestly, I don't know if there's golf courses that can handle European, like Ryder Cup, not European, just that can handle Ryder Cup crowds. Like I went at Medina, I went to Hazeltine, I went to this one. None of them have been good experiences on the ground, like for viewing or for following or anything. And they were not 
<laughs> they weren't ready in France. I'm sorry. They no. were not. They had did not have walk. Like they need, you got to figure out a way for traffic flow for fans to be able to not get cut off and stuck in just massive throngs of people waiting for groups, like waiting 10 minutes for groups to pass from one green to the next. And it's just, the traffic flow was not very good. The toilet situation was not good. The lines were enormous. Like it just, it's so many people on the ground, so little golf that it's, I'm sorry, it's just not a great viewing experience. The Both up- at Hazeltine and uh, and at the Golf National. The upcoming Ryder Cup venues for the United States, Whistling Straits, Bethpage, back to Hazeltine, Olympic Club, and then Congressional. I mean, are, do any of those golf courses excite you in any way, shape, or form? No, but, I mean, the, like... I mean, Bethpage, I've always maybe, maintained, but... like, the Ryder Cup is... is The golf courses don't matter that much. It's about the, the setting. Like, it's not... It's all match play, and it's it's not the same as, like, grinding out around a stroke play over 18 holes. So, setting up a good theater for exciting matches should be, like the bare minimum i think and i don't think the golf national met that test i mean that's that's we got to see the 18th hole what two three times the yeah. whole week maybe maybe four yeah. times i'm not going to defend that golf course anymore no. it's bad so, uh let's get to some questions we uh we got we got a decent amount of good ones uh lake mather says don't we that's you me american golf twitter need to stop promoting the hot players before picks are made and instead promote golfers that actually fit the course for away cups. We have to have accurate drivers who can putt simple as that fiery would also be good. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, but like, are you going to not take tiger? Right. And I get Phil is like the question mark pick. He went zero and two. We lost by six. Like that wasn't the reason you could have made a really good case for Kyle Stanley on this golf course, but are you going to pick Kyle Stanley over Bryson? I mean, how could you like, that's the thing is the, the, the U S his hands hand was forced and the guys that got picked just didn't step up and play. You can imagine taking like, Xander over Bryson and having Xander go into and be like, we left Bryson. Right. People still think we lost the 2014 Ryder Cup because Billy Horschel didn't go. And it's like, guys, that's just not, this is not how it works. The only argument I can accept is that if you don't put Phil on the team and you put some accurate, straight, magical driver that I still don't know who that American is, honestly, like Kevin, Na, I guess put him on the team that it helps the pairings fall out better. And magically like Reed doesn't anchor tiger down and it doesn't mean blah, blah, blah gets paired together. That's a huge kind of domino effect that you're asking that again, you don't know if that guy's not going to show up and go and three. I mean, Tony Finau was not a great fit for this golf course, but in a lot of people's arguments and I, I, but I just thought that how Finau played the course was how DJ and Kepka were going to play it. Right. You can be a bomber and still play golf courses like this. Yeah, hit a lot, hit a lot of irons off tees and just kind of keep it. But, yeah. But I think the guys that hit it a long way just cannot fathom having to play that way anymore. Like they just don't want to adjust their entire mindset yeah. for one week. I don't JT know. JT was able to do it. Tony Finau was able to do it. Like, the, but like you Kepka and to, DJ are not JB Holmes. They're not like right. crank driver left to right every single shot. And just wedge it on the green. Like JB Holmes' formula works very well on the PGA Tour, but like DJ and Kepka's games like translate. Right, like they, they can hit shots. Yes, like DJ's had success in Open Championships. I know this is not an Open Championship venue or not that style of play. Like Kepka has played the European Tour a ton. Right, he played years on the European Tour. He played the Challenge Tour. He's played a lot of golf courses like this, and he just didn't step up and play 
the golf that needed to be played. And that's kind of what it comes down to. All that it comes down to is eventually you just have to play better golf. And if you're not going to play well, then these are the kind of results that are going to happen. Along those lines, Will Hardy says, why are people so keen to make excuses for DJ because of his temperament? He's world number one and yet didn't turn up and seems to be escaping any flack. 20 wins and one major is the biggest waste of talent in years. And people seem to let it slide because he wins in Hawaii. Good take. A bit harsh. A bit harsh, end. but nah. twenty wins is I don't ever want to hear that as an argument against a player. Like I know that he probably should have more majors, but like you win twenty tournaments by being unbelievably good at golf. DJ is simultaneously the least relatable player for an amateur when you watch him hit, you know, four hundred yard drives, and he's the most relatable player when you see how his knees quiver over three and four footers. I mean, that's really it's it ultimately comes down to putting for him mostly, and we've seen it you know, going Chambers Bay. I mean, you know, he had a three footer to win, you know, and and I, I was watching the, the golf field last weekend and I tweeted out like, this is a dangerous distance for DJ standing four feet away. And he didn't hit the hole from four feet. I mean, you know, you got to be able to make some putts when it matters, especially the short ones. It turns out switching to crosshand right before the event and having mm-hmm. never done it before yeah. was not great. Not the best. I, I, uh, I, he made like a 12 footer on, uh, in four ball on Fridays. And I like sarcastically, it's like, yeah, are we still worried about this crosshand? Turns out one putt was not a very good sample size for me to make that takeoff of. But, uh, no, I don't think at least on this end, we're not cutting DJ any slack. I mean, he's the, it, behind tiger. And I, I tweeted this on Sunday. Our biggest disappointment was behind, aside from tiger was DJ. I mean, number one player in the world losing four matches. We're not going to win. You're just, you're flat out not going to win the Ryder cup if that happens. So, um, Michael Frazier asks, are Jordan's struggles, single struggles due to a lack of motivation or is there something about his game that doesn't translate to match play? I don't, I don't necessarily love the way the question's phrased. I would just ask it like, what are Jordan's Ryder Cup struggle or Ryder Cup President's Cup single struggles? Owen six, pretty big sample size. I don't know what it is. I don't either. It's weird. It is weird. I mean, he's, he's, his team record is, I don't have it in front of me, but something like, six two and two or something like that and granted that has a lot to do with patrick reed and pairing with jt this time around going three and one uh i, don't, I can't explain just get absolutely trounced by tr bjorn olsen is kind of unexcusable really I, I don't want to make any excuses for him on it i don't want to make any excuses either i think that there's an element of he's the type of player that always gets the other guy's best shot which is part of it mm-hmm. um you know i think fatigue playing fatigue so many matches definitely he never part sits of it. out Torborn was well rested was unless, ready to get out there and make tom a watson's point. gonna be a captain he never sits oh, out oh my god <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, there, i i don't think that there's any excuses to be made for him it's it sounds cliche and it's the same thing we've said over and over again but you just have to play better golf especially in singles it's like dude what possible excuse could you make like there's no format there's no there's no nothing there's nothing to this it's like it's you versus the other guy you got to go beat him and he hasn't done it i don't there i don't know if there is an explanation for it other than fatigue or and i think he kind of alluded to that in uh 2016 when dustin was kind of roasting him for being zero and four at that point and he's like yeah dude i play every match like, i'm tired i'm like all right man you got to either figure out a formula sit out a match that helps you win your singles match or something but man right. to lose all your presidents got matches too that's that's not great uh doug mcaferry you get to blow up the entire u.s team selection process what do you do instead Longtime proponent here of 12 captains picks listen We'll never get that. We'll never have our way with that. But saddling a team with guys that you wouldn't take over if you had the choice never seems like the right answer to right. me. So uh, I think the point system needs to be adjusted 
to not be so top heavy towards wins. Bubba won three times this year and should not have been on this team. Like, I think if you ask Bubba, like, hey, should you be on this team on this course? He'd probably be like, no. Right. You, you know what? Bubba should have been on the team at Hazeltine, probably. Right. Like, that would have been a great, great format. Bubba came in three and eight, I think, uh, or sorry, one and six on European soil. And uh, went one and two, so and, two and, and eight on European had, soil, and had previous bad experiences on this exact golf course. Yeah, so a system that rewards top-heavy play. And listen, this is a, a lot longer take that's been written out on the website. But like, you want guys that are consistent week to week. You don't want the hit or miss guys. Like, I want to see how guys are able to grind out when they don't have their best stuff. Uh, like a guy like Finau, who's just so freaking consistent week to week, and he just laid it on the entire field every week and he didn't beat he didn't win any tournaments but like that guy was there every week and that matters come Ryder Cup time and he proved that I was so happy with how Tony Fina played I was so happy for him yeah I thought Fina played great um you know, kind of coming up, especially hitting the first tee shot on yeah. in the opening. Like, <laughs> like wow. he looked nervous. Well, yeah, welcome to the Ryder Cup, rookie. Yeah. You know, uh, I I think maybe if we could get to six captains picks, that that would be that's better. That might case, be yeah. yeah, that might be the the equilibrium. I don't know. Six captains picks and not tying the points to money. Like the the money, the way money is assigned on the PGA Tour, again, it makes sense. Like create it's an entertainment product. Like you want those guys playing for a huge prize on that last screen. And if the winner gets a million and the runner up gets 900,000, that's not that interesting. Right. I mean, as much as like the FedEx Cup is not interesting, like you do like it's intriguing to watch guys play for a, a a large amount of money, but that doesn't necessarily mean you've had the best season or played the best golf by having a bunch of great of great finishes, but not any consistency. So not tying the points directly to the dollar and giving and I think six captains picks is for the better. Um, and so I, I have a hard time with and making them all at once too. Don't yes. Don't oh, make God. them. Don't stagger them. I mean, make them all at once. If you want to make them late and if the schedule falls out better, if there's a two week gap, if there's a week gap after the tour championship in 2020, which I don't know if that even has been considered yet. If there's a week gap, make all the picks after the tour championship, like the hottest players, your whole picture will be painted at that point. Make all the selections right then um, rather than whatever they, they did now. And it's, listen, it's worked out. The, the Horschel pick has gone two and one in both of the, both of the Ryder cups, but um, <laughs> they ended up selecting. Yeah. I'm, I'm pumped that they went with Finau and, but like the argument that's kind of where the hindsight thing comes in is like, dude, if there's a guy you would have chopped off this team from a captain's pick for course setup, it's probably Finau and you would have gone with somebody like Kucher and then Finau shows up and goes two and one. You just, you don't know what you're going to get out of these guys. It's captain's got to press some buttons and you got to hope it's the right one. Do we think that Stricker is going to be the captain yeah. at Whistling Straits? Everything I've ever heard is says that. I mean, what do you think the Stricker captaincy is going to look like two years from now? Um, I mean, Phil, it's still Phil. It's still Phil. Like, I think it is still Phil running Phil's the show. Phil's the Wizard of Oz. And look, it's, it's, I, I think, again, it's, people are going to be upset about it. And I've, I think I've eaten enough humble pie. Like, I was very wrong in thinking that the U.S. team could just overcome the European setup. I just thought it, I thought it was a new era and that they, their, their issues were behind them and their approach to the Ryder Cup had changed. It was premature. And look, I one successful Ryder Cup at home covered up a lot of warts, and I was dead wrong about that. Having said that, going back home, like I'm not nervous about that one. Like I, I said, I thought the U.S. would win four out of five Ryder Cups starting in 2016. 
I still maintain still on pace. Still maintain that we're going to win the home ones. Like I just think we should. Like it would be an upset big time to lose at at home. Twenty twenty two. I think the European guys will have aged. Like some of their top players will have aged at that point. But listen, if you get step up performances from Francesco Molinari and going five and zero, I can't. You can't possibly predict that four years out. So, but like the way things are trending, the U.S. should have a better team than the Euros in twenty twenty two. The what was your question a, about Stricker? <laughs> well, my question is just, I mean, Stricker is a super quiet guy. Um, you know, he's in, he's going to be in his home state of Wisconsin, which I guess is kind of why you think he might yeah. uh, might be the log for the captaincy. But I don't see him being, you know, whether it's more assertive is what we need or I, mean, I, I see him being definitely a very passive captain which i guess is why you said oh it'll be phil's captaincy effectively i mean and that's what i want to know like what is the captaincy now i don't really know what it is it's so much honestly like it's so much work from a media perspective and like going to Steelers just, games just being with a the Ryder head, cup yeah that i don't know really what it is and i think that uh i do think it needs more data and i don't think I, i'm worried like that the, the data that the, that they use is like printouts from the PGA tour and not like actual models to understand what like, like where are your stats gods now Sally stop I like people citing the driving accuracy percentage stat like that's that stat honestly doesn't mean anything like people that are playing for driving accuracy on the PGA tour are playing the wrong game like it's just not what's rewarded out there so why why does that necessarily mean that they're just driving it straight doesn't mean you're going to play great at the golf national like definitely a good start though it would help and it would definitely help but i'm not gonna go just take kevin naw out there just because he hits the ball straight off the team anyways very good question here from tom cleveley tom is uh a european as you might be able to guess by this question do you think the European tour is a better standard than Americans perceive? It keeps generating Ryder Cup winning teams, and when Americans play in their events, they don't win, such as Finau and Kepka this weekend at the Dunhill Links. Team USA should play more European-style courses to succeed. Okay, there's something about the way this question is phrased that actually makes it a very good question. Okay. Because what he said was, is it a better standard than Americans perceive? Mm-hmm. Not is it a better tour, which yep. clearly... I mean, from a talent perspective, purely on a talent basis, it's it's not. But is it a better product than Americans perceive? Absolutely, 100%. I think it is. Okay. I think that there is a lot of good golf that gets played on the European Tour on a weekly basis. I think that there are a lot of players that have had success on the European Tour that come over to the United States and end up having great success here. Tommy Fleetwood being a perfect example. Brooks Kepka being another one. Um, I, I don't think that american golf fans the casual american golf fan um cares as much about the european tour as maybe they not that they should but i think that if they put a little bit more effort into learning about some of the guys and watching i mean it's a it's a definitely a a better broadcast it's a a better golf product oh yeah um from a a television perspective um, and clearly they're, they're doing a lot of things right. Uh, and they're willing to kind of change the formats and change the game. And they had a shotgun start this morning in order to get in front of the weather. Like, Which is, is that amazing? Would, yeah. Would anybody, would the PGA tour ever consider that? Of course not. They're, they're a little bit more innovative. They have the golf sixes. Um, they, you know, they just, they play a little bit more, they have more fun with it. Um, and, and maybe having more fun with it is what helps the European Ryder cup team kind of come together and and enjoy one another's company and the you know 
That's so my, that's my take. Let me clarify that I love the European tour. I do too. Like the vibe on the European tour, the PGA tour, like ten times out of ten, like the atmosphere, the guys out there, the actual players, like the whole, just the supporting crew of European tour staff, and every European tour event we've ever been to is a blast. Like way more enjoyable. They're just so much. They let you do so much more stuff. There's way less red tape. There's no rules out there. Like I enjoy watching the European tour more than I enjoy watching the PGA tour on almost a, yeah, almost a hundred percent basis. A lot of that has to do with the broadcast though, too. That's true. Approach to it. And the European tours attitude towards making sure that it's product is really good on television. I'm looking at you PGA tour, fix it. Anyways, having said that, I guess the way I view the quote-unquote European tour is very different than I think what Tom is implying here. Like, what, 11 of the 12 uh, European team members play on the PGA tour, play a majority of their golf on the PGA tour. Torbjorn Olsen is the only guy by my amateur thought process, I haven't looked this up, is the only guy that doesn't play on the PGA tour. He's not a world golfer, I guess you could say. And so... The way the European tour itself, like, isn't very strong to me. It's like a lot of the top European tour players go and play the PGA tour the majority of the time. And like they re reallocate the rules this year to like Paul Casey is a European tour member by token only. Like they made they changed the rules so he could play on this tour. Like, yes, the golfers from Europe are phenomenal. Like there's you're better at the Ryder Cup than us. Like that is if if the question is, do Americans not perceive European golfers as being good enough? Yeah, probably. I don't. I mean, like European golfers are incredible. Like I would never argue that the European players are not good. The the beef I've had with the European tour is like the world ranking points and whatnot for the events where they don't bring in the top players are way skewed way too high. And like yeah, that level of golf isn't nearly what it is on the PGA tour. So listen, if we want to do a strictly like players that only play in Europe versus players that play in the US and have that Ryder Cup. That's not going to be a very good competition. We actually had that one for a lot of years. It was the U.S. versus Great Britain and Ireland, and it was like 27 to 3 final scores. Like, that's not the case. Like, the best golf is played on the PGA Tour mostly because all of the top Europeans come and play on the PGA Tour. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. So, yes, they are European Tour members and whatnot, but like, Tiger Woods has the third most European tour wins of all time. And by my math, he's never been a European tour member, but (laughs) my, I guess my take is, is just that there's a lot of good golf being played in Europe that probably goes under the radar because it just doesn't get the, I mean, it's, it's probably harder for most golf fans to watch the European tour because of the odd hours, especially early in the season when they're playing in Australia and Asia and stuff. But I, I just think that there's a lot of good golf that goes under the radar that gets played around the world on the European tour and more Americans should invest uh, some time in, in getting to, I don't disagree with that. I don't disagree with that. I don't think there's like players lying in the weeds on the European tour that like you could just insert on this team and would have tremendous success. Like, but there lot- have been some that have come up kind of quickly i mean hatton fleetwood mm-hmm. some of the guys that really were not household names in the united states at all that played most of their golf on the european tour two years ago and have now broken into the american golf scene Correct. a little bit um you know have have ended up they're still products of the european tour that's yeah, where they no, came I, out. I, I agree I, I in that regard i guess i just uh, yes tommy fleetwood plays on the european tour but like he's a pga tour member and like i i view him as a 
PGA Tour player now. I think he's going to be playing. He's like playing almost exclusively in the U.S. next year. It sounds like he's really upping the ante on his golf in the U.S., which you should do. But that's like the product of the money. Like there's more money on the PGA Tour, and all the best players are coming over to the U.S. and play. And that's kind of probably why it's going to morph into one tour eventually. But uh, no, I mean, like, listen, I, I just don't think like Lucas Beargard. I've He's kind of been one of the low-key like favorite European players for a long time. I remember Peter Uline had just had mentioned him on the podcast a couple years ago as like an under-the-radar guy that he's seen on the European tour that people don't know yet. He just won today, and that was awesome. Like it was that was really cool. I don't think like he's bound for decades of European or European team success like Henrik Stenson or Justin Rose or anything like that. But like I don't know. I guess this kind of comes in the definition of European tour. Like Rom is a token European tour member. Hatton and Fleetwood guys that are products of the European tour, like you said, are, probably should be viewed through a different lens. But watch uh, more European tour. It's a lot of fun. The I'm part, a- the part that I had trouble with is Fino and Kepka playing this week and not winning, being oh, part okay. of his argument. <laughs> it's like, okay. wait, is the standard that when the when the Americans go over and play the European tour, they have to win? Like they both finished top ten this week. Is that not good enough? That's 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 kind of the logic of like guys i don't know what what the european fans want us to say more like you beat us like you crushed us what do you you want me to cry on here i'll cry if you need me to like what why do you have this i don't want to say inferiority complex about it but it's like it's not even good enough to have won the Ryder cup like we have to just bow at all of your feats and you guys are the greatest golfers ever to walk the planet and i love european golfers is the problem like i don't enjoy interacting with european golf twitter i'm just gonna say that like oh man well it's not been fun and like i root for like a lot of the european players like tommy fleetwood's one of my favorite players rory one of my favorite players like but god like there's just no perspective that comes from from the european golf fans on twitter like for the most part and the problem is the ones i've interacted with in person have been so much fun such a blast if all of you that are now unfollowing uh solly on twitter want to come follow me it's at jw Fickett. i talk about the That's european fine. tour Listen, we have fun we have a good time like it, it just it goes past like friendly banter like this point right here is like Finau and kepka needed to win this like oh my god i just can't i can't do it I, I did enjoy, I just, I hit the mute button so freaking often during it. was like so many non sequiturs of, of like, oh, you said that they were going to destroy him. Like, where's your article now? I'm like, I'm not Alan Chipnuck. I didn't write the article. Like, oh, I don't know. That's why I made a nice hedging. I, I hedged my bets very well the week before the Ryder Cup. Writing part. a figure, <laughs> yes. the piece of uh, of saying how the European t- the European team could win, and it ended up being way worse than I ever could have imagined. I, I, again, like the, that's kind of the thing with what happened too. Is like no one predicted that 50 people out of 7,000, I guess predicted 17 and a half to 10 and a half European, like less than 0.4% of the people predicted that final score. And like no one, no one predicted like worse than that. I'm pretty sure like that is the worst case scenario that could have possibly happened to the U S if they teed it up again, Europe would probably still win. I I would imagine, but like it wouldn't be 17 and a half, 10 and a half. I can't foresee a situation where it could have gone worse for the U S they won eight straight matches. That does not happen. That does not happen. Uh, We've answered this Tiger question. Uh, Anders Hofstede, how come only two European Ryder Cup players, how come the only two European Ryder Cup players both beat the only two USA Ryder Cup players playing in the Dunhill Links, three different courses, when the Golf National was the main issue? Again, that's kind of what we're dealing with here. It's like, guys, like you won. Like, 
Do you want to point to one more stroke play event the week after the Ryder Cup to help validate this win? Like, you won the Ryder Cup. Why are like why, why does this still like somehow a point or a question? <laughs> like, <laughs> because we put uh, because we're asking for it by I doing guess. this podcast. I, I guess, man. Uh, Craig W. Should the format be altered in the future to even things up? Example: Europe versus the rest of the world. Oh my god! This is tip of the iceberg of what we're dealing with here. I just wanted to throw a few examples for because I, I know that. People people hear what they want to hear on the podcast, and it's already people have already shut this off and are, are blowing me up on Twitter. So, uh, Mike Hennessy, why on earth did the U.S. only go to the Golf National for one practice session and with only half the team? We've known about the course for more than two years. I bet you players visit a U.S. Open course for practice round much more frequent. Do you think this is one of the problems? Lot to unwrap here. One, I don't think the players visit the U.S. Open courses for more for practice rounds much more frequently. I played Shinnecock this year three weeks out from the Open, uh, the U.S. Open. It was nothing like it was three weeks later. There was nothing to really learn about it. Uh, very unrealistic to just expect U.S. players to hop across the pond for. Again, this is like as much as we don't say it, like as much as fans care about it. It's an exhibition, like. There's no money in this event for the players, and that dictates so much of what how they set up their schedule. It's easy for us to sit back here and say, hey, care more. Like, care more. <laughs> but, like, I don't know. If people want to point to JT going to play in the French Open and going 4-1. and one. Spieth didn't go play the French Open. He went 3-2. and two. Finau went 2-1. and one. Webb went 2-1. and one. Like, it's not, it's not a correlation causation thing to just be like, you had to play the golf. I, I agree playing that course in competition would have helped. Yeah. I think it had to have. It had to help with some of that shell shock look that we saw on a lot of their faces, but I don't know. It's it's so much easier for like Europeans to play a Ryder Cup course and practice on it because like they're all based in the states, basically. So mm-hmm. um, it's just a very different different animal. And the argument would be like, hey, when they come over for the Open, they should go play the course. A lot of them did. So I don't know. Um, James Tornos asked, why not give the captain another chance? Furyk has learned loads from this experience and would be able to build on this. Makes no sense to keep rotating captain to give everyone a shot. I think there's uh, something to this. Yeah. I've always wondered why they change captains every year, but it's also probably the captains probably don't want to do it more than once. Honestly. Yeah. I think Davis loved doing it more than once was strictly an anomaly i mean and i'm not really sure what the rationale was for giving him another look at hazeltine i think one of those spots was slated for Payne stewart to be honest i think i, I don't remember which one but it's like all right you got this was this was supposed to be Payne's year and it went to davis and like that's why he got two goes at it i guess um i don't know there's a lot of change at the top of the pga america and whatnot and how they select it and so i don't know exactly but i don't know if i'm a captain I don't know. I don't necessarily want to do it more than once. I don't no. think like it's, it's a complete overhaul of your schedule for an entire year and it's fun, but like you get like a decent amount of credit if you win and, and you, you get, get all, all the blame if you lose. So there's not a lot to gain from it. So, um, in the mash NL in the team room is Phil Mickelson and, uh, an added value or a nuisance to a team captain with less charisma. It's a fair, it's a very fair question. A fair question. And, Phil has been a part of so many losing Ryder Cup efforts and taking as much on to this, to his plate as he has, like a lot of the blame for this one has to come on his shoulders. Like, and I credit him a lot for 16. Like he took so much on and he played great and they whooped some ass. He still has a lot in his plate. He played terrible and they got their ass beat. So like, but there's, I mean, coming forward with Tiger and Phil now are going to be captains in upcoming team events. Like, 
there's a lot of losing history and the same with Furyk this year. I mean, was not a good Ryder Cup player. Like there's there's going to be a, a streak of teams here where there's going to be guys that by default are going to be captains that do not have Sterling Ryder Cup records as players yeah. and we're just going to have to get past that and figure out a way to uh to use it to use other things to our advantage like you said if it's the stats or if it's you know having six captains picks and and actually get finding guys that like each other there's got to be something because it's not going to be we're not going to rely on all the good memories of phil and tiger playing when they become captains i think it's easy and convenient to point back at what zinger did in 08 with valhalla and those pods like the pod system thing is just beaten to death but what Zinger did the best was those four guys like would have gone to war for each other. And there was no doubting who those four guys are. And there was a plan in place. Like this week, it was just pod-ish. Like it's like, all right, yeah, you guys are kind of together. But there wasn't like this battle mentality of like, here's what we're doing. Like you four going to battle together. You guys figure out who's playing what and let's go. And we'll get behind it. There was still too much like maybe it's Reed the only one doing the blaming. But there just wasn't that kind of mentality of like i got your back you got mine it was too much individualism along from 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 top to bottom really so they that's that's the element that i think they're missing is just like a a total buy-in to the pairings and like a plan in place and guys should know well in advance who's going to be kind of playing what matches I thought this podcast was going to feel very cathartic, but it's No, it's I'm getting not. more upset. We're yeah. an hour and 17 into this, too, so we might have to wrap. I think it's the last question I had saved. Uh, Andrew James Golf, this may seem crazy, but do you think it's possible that there wasn't all that much wrong with the U.S. team other than the fact they were outplayed and outputted by the Euros? I mean, it's golf. Sometimes you got your A game. Sometimes you don't. I think we kind of covered that, but like that's probably the main reason. Like yeah. As much as we want to break down reasons, like Dustin Johnson, Ricky Fowler, Brooks Kepka and Tiger Woods are very good at getting the golf ball into the hole, and they were not for this week. Like, yeah. And once and, you go to tee it up, that there's just a certain amount of element of just sack up and do it, and they didn't. Like I don't, I don't think there was some magical thing Furyk could have done to make them play better golf, and that's that's kind of that's why the U.S. got beat so badly. Yep. And I think that there's a momentum aspect to it that feels probably more real for the players than it does for the fans. Uh, when you can kind of hear the things going on around the golf course and you know that you have to put more pressure on yourself to play well because you can tell by the the sounds of some of the roars and stuff a few holes away that your your teammates probably aren't doing well and i think all, all of that just kind of builds on itself and you know eventually it comes down to digging deep and playing better golf which it's easy for us to say because you know i'm not yeah. a i'm not a professional golfer and i don't know what it feels like to be in that arena but it, uh, it comes down to it like who wants it more and clearly the europeans wanted it more yeah, this year there was just i don't know it was just uh it was just amazing that sergio played so poorly all year long and comes out and goes three and one and and then there was the super predictable stuff which was you know tommy fleetwood and francisco molinari maybe not predictable to them each going undefeated in the the team formats but you kind of knew that that they were probably going to play well as a team so. yeah yeah and that's yeah i am i'm done kind of making my my course point but like is that is that the best that, that kind of answers the question like the yeah. tommy fleetwood's a world-class player for jessica molinari has won won the open championship this week and had the best year of his career and has transformed his golf game but like 
you never won a Ryder Cup match before, like I said. Right. So I just don't know how you could possibly prepare for that or predict that or think that that would happen. And uh, that's the thing is like as well as the Europeans played, like you look at like their top players having like a losing record and being like, whoa, they could have put up 20 points on us. Like that is just kind of jarring. So you're right. This, this podcast didn't make me feel any better. Uh, we're ready to put it behind us. I'm sure we'll get blown up all over Twitter uh, for, for this. But that's just what listen. Like what? What did you expect coming for us coming into this tournament? Do you expect us to just be like, oh no, I don't know who's going to win. Like we'll see what happens. Like that's not fun for anybody. No, we, we thought have- the U.S. was going to win. We were wrong, and we admitted it. And I don't know what else you want from us. So roast away. And this off season is going to be boring. Go go listen to the FredX Cup podcast because I'm fired up for like fall golf now that we right. all have these FredX Cup teams. So if you guys don't know what that is, go to the Trap Draw podcast feed. Listen to that and uh, trying to find some. You'll find some some rooting interest uh, in some players. And, and if you haven't listened to Max Homa yet, you're I don't know what you're doing. Amazing. I'm going to try to really focus on churning out some good content for the European Tour for the end of the race to Dubai because uh, there's some good tournaments coming up. Walton Heath this week. Yeah. British Masters exactly. is going to be awesome. So, uh, yay. For anybody that said the Golf National was a proper golf course, watch the British Masters this right. week. Walton Heath is a proper golf course. So, uh, all right. Let's, let's, let's let the rain come on in. Yeah. Just, I feel like Jon Snow at the Battle of the Bastards pulling I'm, the sword with all the uh, <laughs> with all the everyone charging at me. I'm not going to speak about the Ryder Cup again until the year, the calendar year 2020. So, from here on out, let's just uh, let's just forget that this happened and move on with our lives. I'll be ready next week to start predicting who's going to be on the 2020 <laughs> team. So, all right. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening and uh, listening to this rant. Uh, cheers. Crack on. Crack on. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah! I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most!